Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Mike West and this is another episode of Into the Van. We are of course brought to you today by Rogue Radio and Rogue Country. I am so fucking honored to be part of Rogue Country, you know. I've been doing some guest DJ sets over on Rogue Radio and I've been having an absolute blast doing them and I hope you've been enjoying them too if you've been listening. If you haven't, please go over and check out if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're enjoying independent country, folk, blues and roots music and if you just give a shit about music in general, I think you're going to love the show. I try and play like a breadth of music so I hit the classics like Buck Owens and Waylon Jennings, shit like that on top of modern artists like Sierra Ferrell or Jesse Daniels or Harry Pedigo or The Broken Binding or even Alison Self who was on today's episode. I'm having an absolute blast doing it and I really hope you guys have a blast listening to it. It's just a way for us to create a platform in the UK for this type of music which I don't think it has yet. There's a scene starting to you know form and we're starting to make some waves and there's some amazing artists coming through like Mark J. Lee and Alex Connolly and Josh Bettis and it's just going to keep going and it's things like this and folks like you who are going to keep it going we are of course brought to you today by my debut album the next life i'm really proud of this record if you haven't checked it out i'm going to drop in a teaser for you now head over to mike333west.com you can pick up a vinyl you can pick up a cd if you want a free digital download code just ask if you've been listening to this podcast and you got this far you deserve one so just message me wherever you know i am and i'll shoot you over one yeah today's episode was with allison self based out of portland and this was a great chat she's such an interesting character a great songwriter her album honky tonk haze is brilliant she did one of the best rogue country featured artist videos i've seen and yeah, this was an absolute pleasure to chat to her about anything and everything, and I really hope you enjoy this talk. So, without further ado, this is episode 34 of Into the Van with Mike West and Alice himself. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. What we're going to do today is go to the bar after this. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, yeah. we're rolling in it. Yeah, thank you so much for making it sound to this. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. And with this kind of podcast, it's I've had people in my head that I've known I've wanted to talk to. And then it's not until 
because you commented on one of my podcasts on Reddit, and I was like, after hearing your honky tonk haze in the skits, I was like, I have to fucking talk to <laughs> Yeah, I stuff. think it was the Charlie Marie, uh, Charlie Marie episode, which was really good. Mm. But um, before that, you so, did um, yeah. for Rogue Country. You did, I think it's the longest Rogue uh, going Rogue video that Rogue Country has had. It's like <laughs> twenty odd minutes long of just like yeah. answering these questions in such an in depth way. And it's to me that really stood out, and it stood out to Josh as well because you know we Aww. send we send out those questions to artists, and sometimes we're lucky if it breaks a minute. But oh, really? Yeah, but with I love that, to talk about myself. <laughs> I was going to say, is that like a tradition that's been like through your music where it's just you want to elaborate on everything? And I don't really get why some artists are necessarily shy or they don't think they should talk about things for that long. I mean, you know, they're probably just boring. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, they just have nothing to say. I'm, you know, the most interesting person in the world. No, um, I uh, honestly, I'm just like a ham and I love, I like, I consider what I do playing music, but also like I'm a performer, mm. you know what I mean? And so I want to make like a, you know, make the audience like feel like they're, you know, not like crowd participation or something corny, but just like, you know, talking to strangers from the mic and like, you know, cracking little jokes. Um, Cause music's fun. Like it's fun. It's supposed mm. to be fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I just wanted, and it's fucking COVID. Like I was like, oh man, I get to do an interview with myself. I'm going to make this weird. So yeah, but I just, I don't mind talking about myself. Maybe, I don't know. I've been playing music for like 12 years. And so maybe I'm like, I'm an extrovert too. I just yeah. like to talk. I don't know. Yeah. I was I drinking think, wine yeah. at like 1, 1 PM when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think like once you get comfortable in kind of embracing that side, because I think when you first start writing songs and stuff and you, you're writing them in your room or whatever, you don't really think of crowd participation or crowd reaction. So it takes a bit to adjust to being like, I should be yeah. this vulnerable or I should talk to people outside yeah, sure. of this as well. But it's, mm -hmm. that's what I really love about your stuff. It has like a wit and a joy to it. Has that been, you know, obviously with COVID and things, has that been like hard to maintain throughout your career and stuff? Has that been something you've always strove to find the joy in it? Um, what were you broke up a tiny bit? Oh. What was the question? Sorry. It, it's just with like, with everything that you like bring out and stuff, there's like a joy to it. Has that been hard to maintain throughout like your career in music? Has that been something that you always push to be like, I need to be able to bring this level of optimism to my work? I think that, like I said, I, you know, not the only reason I play music, but I want to have fun with it. Like I've dedicated 12 years of my life to it. Mm. Essentially, I'm not going to be like, you know, I can do the sad bastard country songs, but I like to do fun stuff. And even if it is a sad song, it still makes me happy to play mm. it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I guess that's, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. It's just, okay, cool. I think there is like a cathartism, like a cathartic expression to music that even if it is a sad song, there's still like a joy to getting it out there. And that's what I really think mm -hmm. about your stuff. But yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, take me back to kind of like your origins, because was it was it ukulele you first picked up? Yeah, it was the ukulele um, in like 2000. I think I got it in like 2006 and kind of started playing like 2007, technically, mm. you know. And what so. was it that drew you, drew you to that instrument? Was the kind of like the old time? Because ukulele, I don't know if it's over in America, but a lot of kind of in the UK, it's that kind of Zoe Deschanel kooky. A couple yeah. Of 
we're going to make it like this is a Beatles cover on a ukulele, isn't this one? <laughs> Instead of, you know, it's a serious instrument that I didn't really realize until I saw like kind of like the Hawaiian traditions on it and stuff. What was it mm-hmm. that drew you to that instrument first? Um, first of all, it was small and I was like doing um, like a lot of hitchhiking and like uh, traveling at that point, And I didn't want to like lug a guitar around. So it's small. It's lightweight. I could literally put it in a bag, like a hiking pack or whatever. And like, um, um, it's got four strings. It's like you know, fucking gnat flying around. Hold on. <laughs> um, it's got four strings. I was like, perfect. Four strings. I'm, I'm an idiot at this point. I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Like four strings sounds like a good number to me. Um, and yeah, I did really like, um, so I, in addition to being in the country, I'm super into like, um, 1920s, 1930s jazz and like, um, not, you know, just all that stuff, like twenties pop and the ukulele was like really popular for, you know, certain styles. Um, and yeah, I was like, uh, really into Janet Klein. She's mm. a ukulele player out of, I think she was, um, from California and it was just like 1920s pop, just very like cool you know um and i was like man if she can fucking do that i was like i can do that mm. and i did that <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so yeah. yeah and i was bored lived in fucking small town i was like i gotta do something this is my ticket to the big time yeah <laughs> and how was it you kind of first came across that type of music because i know for myself like i was obviously i'm a huge metal and rock fan and i remember mm-hmm. i think i read an article once where there was something about how metal songs kind of originated from Robert Johnson. So I did a deep dive on Robert Johnson, which led me to like Elizabeth Cotton and then Howlin' Wolf. And yeah. went that way, was that kind of the route you found or yeah. how did you get exposed to like that old time style? So I've always been really into old movies. Um, I'm an only child. And so I would just like watch Turner classic movies like by myself. Um, and I was watching silent film and like um, musicals. Like I fucking love musicals. Mm. And um, so I really love Judy Garland. And I was like on Napster looking up Judy Garland songs from like, you know, all her fucking random musicals. Um, and then it just kind of went down a rabbit hole, you know? I mean, I just, I don't really know. There was a website back in the day called redhotjazz.com. Mm. And it was, um, you could just listen, like stream essentially all these songs. And so I would just like sit at the fucking computer and just be like, wow, this is Bessie Smith. Like, this is Ma Rainey. This is, Mm. you know, so-and-so. And And I think it just, um, yeah, my friends who were in punk bands and like I would go to punk shows and they'd cover Johnny Cash and like Chuck Berry. So there's definitely like that overlap, you know? Yeah. What is it you think about like the punk and rock scene that's drawn to that type of music and that type of roots thing? Is it paying like homage to the originators or is there something deeper on like a songwriting level or something. Cause I always wonder this cause a lot of people who are into like the heavier style of stuff, either move over to country and blues or have like a huge like respect and a uh, tribute to mm-hmm. it throughout their careers. Yeah, I think it is definitely, I think it's two, I mean, two things probably more that I am not going to think of, but I mean, first of all, it's like you said, it's like a precursor to punk, like, you know punk and um heavy like heavier styles and so yeah it's three chords and the truth kind of stuff you know um it's simple punk is easy to play unless you're like i mean i've never played in a punk band but i know ramon's songs are like two chords so Mm. (laughs) um so i think it's easy and um i think it's just like kind of an attitude Mm. you know 
like um just kind of i mean you look at you know early country and shit it's like those dudes are like crazy like drinking and fucking like doing coke and like all the things that we do now um (laughs) and so i think it just is like it's always been a fucking party unless you're playing like christian music which is fine but i don't know then they probably still drink and shit but um yeah and punks obviously like you know was was meant to be like you know political and all that Mm. stuff um so yeah i did an interview about that once or it was an interview question and it was like nine years ago oh really like i came upon it like the other day looking through old pictures and i was like oh i was like i sound like an idiot (laughs) (laughs) it's always like the worst thing to like look back on something where you can't it's when you kind of form in your opinion on something and then you like look back on it i remember like i when i was a kid I wrote into um, Marvel Comics to like Aww. just like write on like do you know like when you send it and like the editor would answer your question and stuff, but it was yeah. a reprint of like a comic from like the seventies and I think I was like ten, so I was like I, it was with Daredevil and Electra and I was like I hope they get together da, 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 da. not knowing like three issues later of course they do because the book's been around four years before I was born and I I look at it I've still got the issue and I'm yeah. like oh, you poor innocent little fool. yeah i once um was asked an interview question when i was in a trio band uh called arise sweet donkey this is my ukulele days um and the question was like what kind of themes do you guys like to play songs about or write about or cover and i was like you know it's just like we try to play songs that really touch on like the basic human emotions like love murder whiskey and i was like what the fuck is that I just described three human emotions as love, murder, and whiskey. I'm fucking insane. Like, I'm that's, nuts. That's not far. <laughs> that could be a t-shirt at least. That's good. That's a good idea. <laughs> no, I might steal that. I'll give you like 10%. <laughs> Dude, I'll definitely buy one of those shirts. It's weird though with like interviews and things. And that's what has kind of been done about this podcast is trying to find questions and perspectives that people will find interest and so you aren't feeling like you just sat through the same questions all the time because i've been on the other side of that doing music yeah for sure i've had some horrendous questions asked like live on radio that i've just refused to answer and like like, what i got asked once it was this dj and he just started like naming women and being like yeah or no I was like, oh my god! I was like, are you fucking? Like, I'm fucking gay. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, one, my partner's listening to this. Like, it was like that. That's wow. like the level of like the worst question I've been asked. But then a lot of it is just kind of like, so you wearing a metal band and now you're not. What's that like? And it's like, yeah, it's it's it is what it is. It's. <laughs> do you want me to sum it up? But then that's kind of. I like the podcast because on a radio, they want like a 30 second soundbite. While on this, I get to like deep dive into things and stuff. But going back to kind of like musicals mm-hmm. and stuff, what are your favorite musicals? Has there been anything in the modern era from like Judy Garland that you're a really fan of? Like, I love him, um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and I'm a sucker for Dreamgirls yeah. and stuff. But what are yeah. your ones that you really dig? Um, I fucking love Singing in the Rain. Um, I love Gene Kelly and I, I want to marry him. I want to like resurrect his body and <laughs> I won't go farther than that, but um, no. So singing in the rain is a big one. 
Oh God, there's so many. I mean, obviously like I love Greece, you know, I was in my high school's production of Greece. I've got to play Rizzo. It's felt like a badass the whole time. Um, yeah, I'm kind of drawing a blank on any other ones right now, but yeah, like I said, I drank a lot last night. <laughs> just as a side note i've i've just thought i watched um, that new godzilla vs kong film the other day and i'm like that would make quite a good musical if they managed to get the score i have i haven't seen it oh, it's it's really fun your, yeah i'll take your word for it <laughs> yeah like the plot sucks but it's just a giant lizard fighting a giant monkey so you can't really go wrong with it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah. well with obviously your music and things you have that optimism has kind of your perspective on songwriting changed from say like winter's come and gone off your self-titled in 09 to like i'll be a star tomorrow of honky tonk haze have you seen like a progression in your songwriting and perspective over that time yeah i think that at a certain point uh i i, I tried to like i realized i needed to like challenge myself to write songs that aren't about like heartbreak or murder mm. or being drunk. Um, Those three yeah. emotions. Right. I know. God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I really love, are you familiar with Corb Blund? Yes. Yeah. I fucking love him. Like Corb, if you're listening to this, you're my future ex-husband. Um, <laughs> but he writes, he's a great writer. Like he writes these songs about like having cows around. Like it's hard to keep a white shirt clean. I'm like, how the fuck do you even like, Cause it sounds kind of corny when you probably wrote it, write it down, but it's like fun little bangers. You're like, mm. it is hard to keep a white shirt clean. Um, so just like, I want to write songs that aren't about being heartbroken, but I'm just always heartbroken. I can't help it. Yeah. It is. <laughs> always it, drunk. Yeah. It is a hard one. Like him. I really like, there's a band called pale waves who are like this new wave indie ish band from the UK. Mm-hmm. And the first album was great. The second album they just brought out, every single song is either a love song or a breakup song. And I was like, yeah. kind of disappointed because I want them to like dig deeper. But obviously, like the singer's in a new relationship, so you can see why it's that. Yeah. But it's like mm-hmm. there's more to it than that. But like, do you have any like literary influences that you draw on to try and like dig deeper? Obviously, you listen to like Coldplay and stuff. Yeah. Oh God. Um. It's, you know, I fucking love Bukowski. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, St. Vincent Millay is another one who I really like. Um, Pablo Neruda. God. But Bukowski and, like, Edna St. Vincent Millay are two that um, come to mind. I also write poetry mm. because I'm, like, if I'm not – it's really hard for me to write songs sometimes, and I want to, like, keep that muscle mm. exercise. <laughs> it sounds kind of gross. Um but yeah, and I'm actually going to try to put out like a chapbook zine thing um, as soon as I can get my shit together, just of my poetry, just, mm. you know, because I do write. I'm just me, like, you know, you've met me over the internet. I'm very just like crass. And like, I think that that's why I was drawn to fucking Bukowski so hard. It was like a very fucking shitty person, but, mm. you know, I don't know what to do. I can't help it. Um, and I just have always like, even before I read his stuff, I was like, I kind of write like this. I can like relate to this style, you know? So yeah, Bukowski is a big one. Fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting. Like I always think you need something else on the creative back banner because if you have writer's block, especially if you're a musician, and you're just in that dry spell, it starts becoming like a self-fulfilling prophecy of you. You can't 
write anything yeah. if you are writing poetry or like i'm working on a, like a screenplay at the moment and i like oh, cool. dabble in other stuff it is one of those things that just helps you just keep everything going but with like your poetry do you take a different perspective to it instead of like instead of like how you'd write a song is it like you try and look for theme or narrative as a different way than you would for like for if you yeah. with a guitar yeah it is totally different i mean um, I don't really write rhyming poetry, mm. you know? I didn't even, like, realize what the difference between prose and poetry was. Like, I had to fucking Google that shit, and it was like, oh, prose is, like, a paragraph, and poetry has, like, line breaks. And I was like, ow! Cool. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, yeah, my shit doesn't really rhyme, um, and it's just about, like, my experience right then. Like, I wrote one recently when I was, like, at a bar drunk and was just, like, you know, talking about a couple that I saw that were probably on a date and, you know, just trying to like observe the, my surroundings and just kind of write about it. So mm. that's a lot of that. Oh, cool. Like I am like when I discovered Walt Whitman and you realize the poems didn't really have to rhyme and it was all free verse mm-hmm. and you could just do anything that was really freeing to me. And it was also, yeah. I kind of use that music to be like, if a poem, all, all it has to do is have line breaks music all it has to do is be set to music and sung so you don't really have any mm-hmm. other rules outside of that which is a really mm-hmm. freeing thing once you start experimenting with other mediums yeah yep you know i wrote poetry when i was uh, i still have all my old physical journals from like age fucking 12 to like 17 and i used to write poetry you know when i was 13 that was like so dramatic and emo and like my heart breaks and like anime drawings and then like a sad stupid poem by a fucking 13 year old so so i've been doing it a long time you know i'm pretty like pretty uh <laughs> kidding yeah it's fucking funny <laughs> yeah like when you go back and read like what because i go back and sometimes i find like the old journals and things and it's kind of like if ed Graham poe fronted like the rasmus or something and you're just like what the fuck was I like writing to try and like have everything so over the top dramatic? And you realize as you get older that there's so much greater. Yeah. Hold on for hold on for one second. I'm gonna try to take you off Wi-Fi and see if um I get a better reception because you're kind of breaking up a little bit. You got me? Yep. Okay. Yeah, the Wi-Fi here fucking sucks. I'm uh, so sorry. Um, it's okay. So, can you say what you said? Uh, right when you were breaking up <laughs> oh yeah um oh yeah i was just saying about um like when i was like i looked back on some wild stuff and it was kind of like edgar Allan poe front of the rasmus mm-hmm. and it was just really over the top dramatic and gothic and it was yeah. just like as yeah. i've gotten older i've started trying to write songs about it where when you're younger you see all these problems as like massive and monumental and as you get older you just realize that like that period of your life didn't really matter in terms of like what you were feeling i remember my cousin she's like 13 years younger than me when she was in high school and she was getting bullied and stuff and i was like it doesn't seem this way but you will not give a shit about this in 10 years but when you're in you just can't think of like anything else Mm mm-hmm yeah it's always like everything feels like an existential fucking sorry your, your connection's breaking up now crisis when you're a kid and then you're just you had it like it kind of set am i there oh yeah that sentence like broke down and elongated and stuff is it 
Okay. If I start breaking up, just like hold up your finger and then I'll know to shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just give me the finger. Um, I was just saying that, yeah, when you're a kid, it's kind of like existential crisis. Everything is about me. And I remember kind of the point at which I just like, it dawned on me. I was like, nobody gives a fuck about me. Like it doesn't, I don't matter. Like, you know, like being like nothing matters, but it is like, you know, we all just are fucking doing our thing. And yeah, it's not, the world doesn't revolve around Allison self. So yeah, it, it is a really weird, like realization. Like I always like in my Instagram bio and stuff, I put like fits existential crisis into three minutes and shit. <laughs> I really kind of, I have that kind of thought space. Like I kind of view myself as a nihilistic optimist where I do have that Actually, viewpoint. Yeah of nothing matters so you may as well have the most fun and enjoy what you've got exactly like dude that's me we're like kindred spirits because it's uh there's like it's like an old like anarchist that said um even if the world were to end tomorrow i'd plant a tree today yeah that's such a good thing yeah it's so great it's like kind of like dramatic but it's true you know very poetic yeah it is like can you remember can (laughs) you remember like a single like when did you kind of come to that realization of this kind of mindset or viewpoints or has it been something that you've kind of picked up along the way i think it was like probably like right before i kind of like turned 21 and like Mm. I moved out on my own when I was like 18 um, and just like, yeah, like stupid fucking teenager, you know? And then I was kind of like, Oh, well, it's just like just me. So I got to like, make sure I'm like keeping my shit together. And I was just like, yeah, the world doesn't revolve around me. You know, like I'm just kind of a little, a little speck. Yeah, no, definitely. Like um, it's it's just a really weird feeling and realization, but it's so freeing. When you get to like, I remember I must have been about tw- like in the twenties when I was starting. To, like, like I'd been working since I was sixteen and just shit jobs. And that, yes, if, yeah, if you don't realize the world doesn't care about you before you work a shit job, you learn <laughs> it pretty fucking quick when you do. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Yeah, but with like your music and stuff, do you ever like what do you think is the best song that conveys kind of like? your mind point or your like your perspective like at the moment like do you have a song where like this is truly and captured what i'm trying to get across as like my true self yeah um so darling and jamie um it's on the new ep um i always consider it my working class anthem Mm. just like the addiction and the poverty that i was around and how it's just so hard to break that fucking cycle. And I somehow broke the cycle as far as like, I don't live in my small town and I didn't like develop, you know, like a method or like, you know, people do what they do and like no shame. But for me, it was like, wow, I got out. Like I mm. moved into a place and like got a job. Okay. All right. Um, what was the last thing that you could hear? Um, 
just before when I was talking about getting out of like that situation where people have been with like meth and stuff and like how yeah. you managed to get out of it. Yeah. And so that's what Darlene and Jamie is for me is just like, this is what I dealt with and people still deal with it. And like, I got out of it, you know, I'm still fucking broke, but um, yeah. So that's just like, yeah, that's where I come from. Mm. Yeah, it's important to me. It's the only song that ever like written and just like sobbed while writing it. Really? And was it hard to like write that down and like face it, or has like had that song been brewing for a while and you finally found the right structural lyrics for it? Like, how long did it take to have that song from like concept to finished? I wrote it in, <clears throat> I wrote it in like 2014, 2015. And I just remember sitting in my room and just writing and just being like, okay, this is a fucking song now. Yeah. It was like therapy session, just being like, <laughs> you know, like writing mm. these lyrics. And I've never really like cried writing like an entire song. I probably wrote it in like an hour. Mm. Like I, when I write songs, it just comes out or it doesn't like mm. I really try not to force it no, that's so interesting and it, it is one of those things where when you kind of hit the nail on the head with that type of song it is one of those things that can kind of like take you back have you been because I know did that EP come out late last year or in 2020 um, it was November hmm and like, did you manage to play that song? Yeah. One sec. Sorry, that just it took. Uh, you, I just said November, and then it glitched out. Oh. it do? Is it lagging? Yeah, it just lagged a bit. Then I only heard from it. It was released in November, was it? It's fucking internet connection, I swear to God. Um, yeah, so Hunky Tonk Haze was released um, November 2020. And before then, had you been playing those songs live? What had the reaction been to like, that song and then you know the rest of like, your set? Yeah. Um, when I played Darlene and Jamie, people would like tell like come up and be like, thanks for making me cry. You know? Mm. Um, and that'd be cool. Cause then it's like, oh my God, people like relate to me. That's mm. so fun. <laughs> like, isn't that cool? Um, so yeah, I've been playing that song for like five. I don't, I'm bad at math, like over five years and people, it's always well received. Mm. Um, as far as the album songs, the only one that was brand new was I'll Be a Star Tomorrow. Mm. And I actually wrote that while my best friend was in the basement recording and I was like listening to him record. And I was just like, I'm going to write this shit down. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was maybe like the span of a week between writing it and then recording it, which I've never done before. So that was, oh. that was nerve wracking. Oh, awesome. And with 
Honky Tonk is on, on Spotify. It doesn't have the skits, but on Bandcamp it does. Was the like, because like when I first saw that you were doing the skits, I was like, oh, a hip hop fan. Was that kind of the first origins of, like that inspired you to put those in, or what was the thought process behind doing those breaks between the songs? So, um, you're asking what inspired me to even like do the skits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a fucking ham. I just want to like make people laugh and, you know, I wanted to like be an actress and, you know, I'm just a fucking idiot. Um, so, and I love, I love old school rap and just rap in general, like Mm -hmm. love it. And so there's, you know, I grew up listening to like a bunch of nineties stuff and there's like skits everywhere um there's also stuff like that within old time and blues where little talky numbers before the song like and so i was just like i want to do at least one and um then i was just like no we're gonna do more we're gonna put (laughs) i was like i'm putting a fucking skit in between every song and we did all the sound effects ourselves like the walking the crowd noise we just layered like four people talking over each other you know bottles clinking together like people being like ah it was really fun like recording the foley was almost more fun than recording my album (laughs) yeah because everything because i was reading the liner notes everything except the ak and there was another thing that you got off the internet but everything else was you recorded yourselves yeah the cuckoo clock yeah yeah but with those kind of skits and like your hip-hop influence and stuff what kind of artists were you listening to like the 90s things i just finished the defiant ones a documentary on netflix which i'd not seen that kind of side of like the east coast or the west coast sorry like kind of things with dr dre and things like that what kind of artists were you listening to that inspired those because obviously like from eminem to d12 and tons of mm-hmm. artists but is there anyone that stands out in particular that you remember listening to and kind of taking inspiration oh, from i listened to a lot of salt and peppa and i know they had a couple skits on the album very necessary mm. which i owned on cassette i would like rollerblade in my kitchen <laughs> while listening to it um and they had like a couple skits they had i mean that was like aids was still you know a big thing obviously it is now but it was way more public eye like first kind of um getting out there and they had a fucking skit about like a partner telling someone that they're they had eights and i was like eight years old just being like holy shit this is like cool but also like what is happening you know what i mean it was just it like blew me away so um and just yeah i mean trying to think there's just so many you know but um yeah um that's the one that like comes to like i mm. think that's the one that comes to mind right now yeah. with my wet brain <laughs> oh cool i remember i was watching it atlanta a while ago and they were talking about like because it's all like their main character like paperboy he's got his album and he said it's like you've got 49 skits on that i'd probably cut them <laughs> it was just like there just seems to be the isn't many mm-hmm. other institutions because you say it's, it's got a history in kind of like with johnny cash and the rambler and stuff but there's not really been anything since then outside of hip hop that's kind of incorporated those type of things. And it's a really weird thing that doesn't get included in a lot of stuff. So it was great to see you bring it back kind of into 
know, country music. Yeah. No, thank you. And that was kind of my thing. It was just like, I want to do, I don't, my mood, my music is not like fundamentally different. You know what I mean? And I don't do it because I want to be like, I'm unique. It's like, no, I play fucking country music. Like everybody else. I sing about the same themes, but I was like, I want to do something to make this album, like stand out a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of show my personality and, you know, my <laughs> comedic uh, genius. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But I think that is something that comes across in your work is there is not necessarily like a kind of in your face comedy to but there is like that wit and you are you like you're quoting Star Trek in it and things, you have that kind of personality in it that's really enjoyable to listen to. Like we like because I remember, I've put a few different like quotes and references to like TV shows and things in my music. I, do you get like proud when you manage to find somewhere to actually put a reference into something that you're a fan of yeah thank you it was fun i love star trek (laughs) (laughs) like with that influence and stuff is there any has there been any influences or quotes or references from star trek or you know pop culture that you're a fan of that you've slipped into music that no one's picked up on yet or anything that you're waiting for someone to discover? No, not yet. I was like, I should write a country song about Star Trek, but guess what, man? It's already been done. Really? Yeah. So uh, I want to shout out um, Dollar Country is a really good country 45 um, podcast. And there is a song, I think it's from the seventies, just this random song. I can't remember who does it, but it's about, fucking star trek and obviously it's the original series that they're talking about and i listened to it and i was like are you kidding me i have to cover this it's um, it's so cool so no the quote from benjamin cisco in that episode um the you get on my nerves and i don't like your hat that's it's just a good one because it makes me think of like something that i would say to like some like shitty country hipster or something you know you get on my nerves and fuck your hat like you looking stupid idiot <laughs> yeah it's like in um, breaking bad when he's quitting the car wash he's just like fuck you and fuck your eyebrows just, <laughs> i don't I haven't seen that but that sounds great it's just it's like that's thing when it's like i don't like you and i don't like that it's that is something that would be said in like a bar to someone yeah. like unless you pointed out that it was a star trek reference i think it would just slip a lot of people by yeah yeah well, um, going on from like you've been kind of in the game for 12 years I remember on the Rogue uh, going Rogue video you talked about booking shows in Virginia back in like 2009 being a part of the scene for so long how have you seen it the scene and like the genres kind of grow and change throughout the years it's yeah it's um it's cool now <laughs> and I fucking am so glad that it's like finally cooler than it was. I mean, at least from my perspective, like, you know, I've been like begging people to come to like my shows and country shows for like that entire time. And I'm like, Hey, who wants to go to the country show? And, you know, six years ago it was like, oh, I don't know. And now it's like, everybody's country. Mm. And I'm like, fuck yeah, come to the show. <laughs> I don't care. You'd be a fake cowboy. <laughs> when um, what do you think was like so the change? man i don't know 
I think it's maybe I think everybody got tired of being rockabilly. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we need a new identity. We're sick of classic cars. We're getting a fucking banjo. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember for the UK, like the country scene's kind of been stagnant for a while, and then it was the country to country festivals came over, which is like a really like pop country centric festival, and that was kind of dominating for years. And mm-hmm. I can't, I kind of think the second wave of UK country was when the uh, our vinyl sessions of Tyler Childers came out, like a few years. Mm-hmm. That seems to have been the switch for it to be like to go a bit more traditional to its roots. Have you seen that kind of influence from like you can't really deny like what Tyler Childers and Cotton Wall have kind of led the forefront in terms of this new younger version of country that seems to have happened in the last five, six years. That seems to be to mm-hmm. me one of the biggest changes. Yeah. And I think another thing is that um fucking what was i gonna say so as pop country don't i so don't get me wrong i like a lot of pop country maybe not so now but dude 90s pop like pop country early 2000s like that's my shit (laughs) neon moon fuck with me um (laughs) but i think as pop country just fucking got so bad i think that people were like what is this shit this is not country people want real country like, that's not fucking country music, you know? And it'd be like, just because you have a fucking dobro doesn't mean that it's country. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's just people popping out of the woodwork and, you know, um, just getting it done. And it's like, yeah, you know, Culture Wall, Tyler Child. Like, I saw Culture Wall and, like, Tyler Childers, like, two separate occasions. In Austin, like, Culture Wall played to, like, 20 people at an outside venue. And now he's, like, fucking famous, which is dope. That's cool. But, you know, I mean, it was also like Margot Price, like, mm. you know, and I don't know. It's good. I'm glad it happened. Yeah, it does seem to be because I remember like I, I was watching today. I fell down a bit of like a Bo Burnham rabbit hole because he was on the green room and stuff. But he did that country song where it's like he's literally just like listing all like the nouns and adjectives that you need to make a country hit. Oh yeah, I think I've seen that. I don't or heard yeah. it. I don't remember it. But yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was kind of like you saw the '90s and 2000s country kind of laying the groundwork and still being, you know, country and sticking to its roots. And it got to the level of pandering and self-parody that it hit like a valve of pressure that these artists have then fell off. And yeah. you've seen like Isbell and Price and Stapleton take advantage of, and you just see that people are just getting sick of things and that's what i really enjoy about kind of your stuff and you know even like childers before he broke like huge is there is like this underground wave of country artists mm-hmm. that give a shit and are authentic and stay true to the roots and produce fucking amazing country music like honky tonk haze is to me a really fucking incredible country album that can stand toe-to-toe with a lot of people thank you that's awesome that you say that i really appreciate it because you know i mean as an artist, I'm just like, this shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks. Yeah. But like with seeing how the scene's grown since like 09 and stuff and since you've been a part of it, has it always been kind of like, yay, like finally you're coming to my shows or it's like, you motherfuckers, I told you about this like 10 years ago. <laughs> It's just funny, you know, and I 
I'm not, you know, I don't want to like gatekeep anything, <laughs> but it's just, it's just funny because like I have been fucking like doing this shit for a minute and not full time the whole time, but I've been playing regularly for fucking over 10 years mm. and it's insane when I think about it. And so it is kind of like, I feel like I have some fucking street cred, dude. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> um, and I don't tout it. I wouldn't be like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I try to, but if someone is like fucking been in the game for like a year and tries to like, especially like a man, <laughs> like I've had men try to like mansplain me fucking like country music history or something. And they're just like wrong. And I'm like, no, I was like, you just cause you like read a fucking article about fucking Johnny cash. Doesn't mean that like, you're now a fucking country music historian, like back the fuck up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Or shit like where people just are obviously putting on this like cowboy persona. I won't mention any band names, um, but it's just like, that's what kind of just annoys me. And I'm not going to like fucking, you know, rally against it, but it's like, I know you're fucking fake. And mm. when you're done with the fucking country trend, you're just going to put on another fucking costume. So yeah, that, has, yeah, that yeah. has been the thing with kind of the rise and trend of country and especially like underground and rootsy stuff coming to the forefront. A lot of people have seen it as a mm-hmm. stepping stone to be like, if I do this, I can go back to playing my shitty rock music and people will follow me through it yeah. just because I've had an acoustic guitar and mentioned mm-hmm. Moonshine once. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I mean, it's a nuanced situation, but I definitely just know people who like know of people, know bands who just fucking like, they just try so hard. And like, you don't have to like all look like fucking Woody from Toy Story for your band to be country. Just like, it's cool. Like, I'm, look at me right now. I'm wearing a fucking stupid hat. But it's like, you know, it's just some people, it's just like, calm down, bro. Like, <laughs> with kind of like your music and writing songs and stuff, do you ever have to take a step back and, you know, do you ever get in your head about the cliches of like the honky tonks and country music? Do you ever sit down and go, is that too like self aware or is that too much of a, callback to something like do you ever get to in your head about writing lyrics for country music because i kind of when i'll write something like i don't think i've written a song that's mentioned a whiskey glass yet because i'm quite like in my head about like i don't want to you know fall into the trap of saying whiskey every five seconds yeah i think it's kind of like what i said earlier like i do try in the last you know whatever five years to challenge myself to write a song that's not about some cliche cliche some shit that everybody else writes about but with that being said people write about it because everybody fucking experiences it you know and it's like everything i've written about like i don't i think i might have one song where it's maybe like not real or something you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but everything i write is like what i've experienced like darlene and jamie like songs about train hopping it's like i've hopped fucking trains like it's just true it's Mm. my experience so but yeah i need to just like write a fucking country song about like a lamp or something like you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes but then i'm like i try not to overthink it because i'm already an anxious person Mm. so then i just probably wouldn't write music ever yeah 
Yeah. With like with hopping trains, like being from the UK, zero experience of this. We have like the rail is all privatized and like if you get on it without a ticket, you're getting fucked. But like what is actually mm-hmm. what entails hopping trains? Like how and where do you do it and how like where do you find <laughs> where do you find these trains to hop on and off? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a huge fucking culture um and it has been for you know i think it was like post civil war mm. obviously when you know the trains were people were fucking poor dude like that's when um i think that was like when the homeless population like exploded mm. who has fucking poor veterans who you know like today get done with the army and to get fucking kicked to the side for the most part you know um but so yeah i mean in my experience like so I, I hopped like I could probably count on like one or two hands the like amount of times that I've ridden a train and so I don't I'm not like I'm a train rider I'm like hitchhiked mostly um because I don't like it's fucking intense it's scary it's like one of the scariest things I've ever done is to run after a moving train and just like be like well hope I don't fucking get my legs cut off fucking you know man. um but it's yeah it's uh you know it's weird it's just it's a weird thing to think about like oh yeah i did that people do that um Mm. yeah there's just like certain parts of like the train yard that you go to and you know people people who know people will kind of share secrets and it's it was before like the internet kind of blew up it was like yo don't fucking like blow up the spot like don't invite people Mm. who are like you know gonna like give away that this is like the hop out spot but since the internet like it's just like it's you know and then, like, the Book of Asian happened. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's been one of those things that's always kind of blew my mind that it's a thing. Because here we can't even put our feet on the seat in, like, on a train. So it's to, to, like, have these huge trains. Because, like, my experiences are the Oh Brother Where Art Thou scene where they're fleeing from the air line. There's yeah. a there's an episode of Criminal Minds where they think the killer is using the trains and they find all the graffiti of, like, symbols and stuff on the wall of, like, what stuff means. And that's that's it for mm-hmm. me. Like, what, like, this train hopping culture and this mm-hmm. thing is in America. So it's always kind of just blown my mind that that's not just a thing that happens, but something that happens regularly. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's Americana, dude. It's like, as the world gets more, or sorry, the United States gets more developed and, you know, more rural areas are getting like, uh, you know, developed and et cetera. Like riding a train is like, it's so romantic. Right. Mm. But it's like, it is fucking romantic. Cause like when I rode a train, like I rode through like Western Baltimore, which is like mountains and it was just like beautiful, you know? And it's like, some people will never see that except for like the train conductor and mm. like the fucking hobos that are, stowed away in the fucking greener like you know 50 cars back <laughs> it's like it's just great so mm. great experience yeah. wouldn't recommend it to be fucking completely honest because you will die <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. will die if you do not know what you're doing like i know multiple people who you know just aren't with us anymore because because it doesn't stop it's a giant steel monster and it doesn't give a fuck about you <laughs> yeah. well i knew i was already out the second you said you have to run 
<laughs> yeah, you can catch it when it's still too, but it's just it you know it depends on the person and the train and all these all these things. Mm. Yeah. So with obviously growing up and being in Virginia, you're now in is it Portland? Mm-hmm. Portland. What, yeah. What's the country scene and what's the like route scene like where you are now? Um, Portland has a great country scene. There's a lot of really good musicians here. Um, a lot of cool bands. I mean, you know, I lived in Austin before here, um, for two years and it's nowhere is like Austin. Like I've lived in Nashville, like Nashville's Nashville, Austin's Austin. And, uh, you know, nothing can compare to that for me personally, but yeah, Portland, um, that landmark saloon is kind of like the country bar and, um, you know, I was having music like every night, um, mm. before COVID and they've been around for like, you know, a couple years now. So it's established. And then, you know, other bars will do stuff too. Um, I was booking like a once a month honky tonk night at this other bar to try to do like a late night, mm. like 10 PM to, you know, 2 AM. Because like, that's the thing too, is a lot of bars are in neighborhoods here and they can't have, loud noise after like 11 or midnight which sucks because mm. if i'm bartending and i get off work at 10 i want to go like see a band and drink some fucking liquor <laughs> mm. so yeah it's great <clears throat> no that's crazy in the uk i don't know if there's anywhere that can stay like with live music past 11 like it's always that's just the cutoff for things even mm-hmm. like any live show but with paul and what was it that made you like move to there and stick around really because my obviously i've not been to the states my only experience of portland is like the show portlandia and then kind of references i've seen through mm-hmm. tv and stuff what was it about that area that's kind of like spoke to you yeah so um i i was shitting blood for a year when i was living in austin texas and could not get healthcare. Could not. I've made like almost no money. I think I made just over the amount for the income limit. And I was like, dude, something's like fucking wrong. And stuff just lined up to where like I was taking a trip to Santa Cruz mm. and I was talking to my friends about it. And they were like, dude, California has really great state healthcare if you're poor. So does Oregon. And so I eventually was like, well, I know more people in Oregon. So I, you know, caught a ride up, got on, um, you know, Oregon health plan. And like within like two weeks found out I had fucking colon cancer. Shit. Yeah. So that was cool. And I'm, you know, fine now. I'm still, you know, I went through surgery, did like three months chemo. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'm in Portland mostly because I can't, I couldn't leave, (laughs) you know, Um, because I had to do three to six month checkups, like all last year, only this year has it been like, okay, I'm going to meet with my you know, um, oncologist like in six months because, mm. you know, everything looks good, blood work. And so I'll be under, I guess, surveillance for like another two or three years. And then I think when you hit five year mark, you're technically cured. So. Oh, well, it's good that like it's in remission and it's being like checked and things. That's really mm-hmm. like great news. Yeah. Did, did that affect kind of because you like just from talking to you for this and seeing you work and stuff you are an optimistic person has that affected you like not just obviously it's going to affect you emotionally and physically and stuff but has that affected you like creativity and things were you still writing during all that and things yeah i think that um i don't i don't i don't think i mean i don't think i was writing that much honestly 
um, I was probably writing more poetry than I was mm. songs. Um, and I was playing shows here and there, but um, one of the side effects of the chemo that I was getting is um, neuropathy, mm. where um, you're, it feels like you're like, if you, if I drink cold water, it would like hurt. Um, Cause it's like poison in your body. And it made your nerves think that it was like cold when it wasn't. Um, and so for like a couple days, like I was just like wiped out and like probably couldn't have like gripped a guitar. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that thankfully, thank fucking God, it only lasted for like a week, but, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't really feel much like playing the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> fucking writing a song. So, yeah. No, I still want to write a cancer song. I just don't know. Don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's something I worked in a cancer center for seven years in the UK. And um, like I just mm-hmm. worked as like a clock and stuff, and kind of worked my way up there. And it's, <clears throat> I I'm kind of obviously I've not had the kind of like I've lost people to, and I've known people to go through, and I've had that pest, but I've never had it personally affect me. So I don't know if I'm the right, like, qual- basically I'm qualified to do. It. I don't have a perspective that I think could do it justice. Yeah. And the only one I've ever really heard that was like, kind of got it was a Isbell's Elephant. Oh my god, that song is like. That's like the first Jason Isbell song I really heard and was like, I just like fucking sobbed, mm. you know, so, that's a great fucking song. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. Cause when I was, um, working as if you'd get patients and family members writing poems and songs and conveying their experience. And it's just a heartbreaking thing to witness and hear of these people trying to like process the like themselves through art it's really it shows the value and the power of like music and art and creativity mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah yeah but um with kind of honky tonk haze what are you working on now do you have anything coming up that you're planning on recording or once kind of covid dies down are you looking at hitting the road and touring what's kind of your plans for 2021 going into yeah. 2022 yeah um i want to make a fucking music video um i had one that is like maybe still going to come together but just for covid and like work reasons like my friend who filmed it is just like has no time to mm. fucking edit it um so well, i'm gonna put that just let him kind of do that when he does it but i really want to do a music video like i love music videos I just sit and watch YouTube music videos, like drink fucking beer. Um, so I want to do a music video. Um, I'm going to Texas in July. Um, probably for the entire month. I'm just, um, I got like a couple shows. I'm getting more shows. I think a friend um, and I are going to go out to Houston and maybe Galveston and just kind of bounce around. Oh, awesome. So, Yeah. I might live there for like a couple months and get out of Portland. Like once it gets cold. Yeah. Cause I don't think I can do another Portland winter, man. I wanted <laughs> to like walk in front of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> it does it get, cause that's the Pacific Northwest. Is, it? is that where it gets like super yeah. cold and things? Yeah. It's just fucking rainy and gloomy, you know, and I'm from Virginia. We're temperate. We have seasons that, even when it is winter, it's like still sunny. It doesn't like rain all the fucking time. I hate the weather out here. I don't know how people do it. They're like, people from Portland are like, oh, but the summer here is like so beautiful. And I'm like, what the, like two months? (laughs) (laughs) People are running around like half naked because they're like, I don't want to kill myself anymore. Hurrah. (laughs) You know, 
Yeah. No, that also, sounds like I want to fucking grow. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds exactly I like. I want to grow tomatoes like I could in Virginia. The growing season here is like so short. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's a day we had snow, rain, yeah, and yeah. sun in a, like the space of three hours. So that sounds exactly like here. God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, Godspeed to you. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, we're coming up to like the hour mark. So I want to let you go so you can have the rest of your day and you know enjoy the portland weather and stuff but um have you got any plans yeah, to come over it's to the nice UK? right now oh awesome i would love to um i would love to i have some friends over there um i have a friend who i was like yo we should get married so that like you can come here and i can go there <laughs> um but uh i don't have a passport i've never left the country it's always been a money issue for mm. me um so, um, I'd like to, it's a money, it's money. Everything is money. It is, unfortunately. You know? So, but yeah, someone booked me a tour for free. Yeah, they should definitely do that. But thanks so much, Alison. I'll let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your day. But I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat to me today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you so much. And there we have it, folks. That's episode 34 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Thank you so much for checking it out. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple, wherever you listen to it. Tell a friend, more importantly, share the podcast around. It only gets bigger with your help. And it only continues with your help as well, man. I can't do this talking into a void. I need people to, you know, let me know they're listening to it. I see the numbers. I see you guys are paying attention and it means the world to me. Go check out Rogue Radio. Go check out The Next Life. Here's a little secret for you guys. I'm going to be doing a guest set over on Gimme Country as a listener's show on the 24th of July. That's a Saturday. I am so fucking stoked for that to bring Rogue Radio and Rogue Country to a bigger platform and to bring my friends, the artists I respect, to a bigger platform is something I'm absolutely thrilled about. So please keep an eye out for that. This is the first place I'm telling people about it. So yeah, do that. Keep supporting all the artists you love. Keep supporting all the things you love. Keep making the things you love as well, guys. That's the most important thing in the world. Until next time, peace.